Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. Should you be among the many searching for a more affordable place to live or just seeking a rental or looking to make a new home purchase and are not meeting with success, perhaps the problem is not anything you're doing. Today, many property owners are utilizing a range of tactics to screen out applicants they deem undesirable, even when what they're doing may be contrary to fair housing laws. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Among these questionable practices are income exclusion, when applicants are told their pension or Social Security income cannot be included to qualify because it is not earned income, or the ages-old tactic of confirming on the telephone a property is available, then once the applicant arrives, the owner sees a disability, the story changes that the property was taken just before they arrived. These days, it's just smart to contact an organization that can advise you regarding these and other illegal tactics either before or during your search so you can locate and acquire the residence that you're seeking. An organization that can provide you that level of support is the Metro Denver Fair Housing Center. On this edition, we gain additional insight regarding the assistance they can be from their fair housing outreach specialist, Ms. Gingy Wade. In a market like Denver's especially, where housing is so tight, I don't know that people put a lot of eggs in that basket. I don't think that they look at a a place that's rated for two stars and think, well, that I'm going to have that same experience. And and then, of course, six months later, they're they're saying they're having those exact same experiences. So they really should go to some of these sites and and check them out when when they're doing their uh, property search. Absolutely. And when you're going to these sites, I always tell people when I do my trainings, if I'm training for a resident or tenant, If you think you've experienced um, discrimination, but you're not sure because it looks very different, right? Um, Sometimes it doesn't look really, really negative, like them just cutting you off and being very short with you. Sometimes it looks like they're being very attentive to you and they're perhaps steering you to go live in another neighborhood because that's where they think you should live because you're a brown woman with three kids or because you're a same-sex couple, you should live here. That's when you step outside, you call us immediately You give us the name of the person you talk to, the location you're at, and the time you went so that we can show back up and do some enforcement testing at that property. Ah, enforcement testing. So when you do enforcement testing, what do you do? For enforcement testing, um, we do a couple of things. We do – it's almost like secret shopping where we show up to different properties and um, we actually hire people out of the community so it's not our staff. It's people from the community that have different issues with maybe differently abled people or same-sex couples or – Um, black or brown people, or there's a language difference. We send them out to different properties to see how they're going to be treated. Are they going to be offered that tour? Are they going to be given the same opportunity to get lending on a home as a different colored or differently abled person than themselves? And so you have volunteer testers? We don't volunteer. We actually pay them. Oh, okay. I know there's a program that's on your website where people can can apply. Yes, it's on to our to support home. you to do it. Yeah, it's on our home page, and if you click on the upper right hand uh, corner, you can register yourself as a DMFHC tester. Mm-hmm. And we test on home lending, we test on rentals, we test on zoning, we test on um, homeowners insurance, um, and those are we test real estate companies. Sure. Um, and that's something that I myself experienced recently uh, purchasing a home in Commerce City um, that my previous real estate agent. For the year we had been working with her, had been trying to steer us to live in a certain neighborhood or in a used or older home because that's where she thought we should live. That's yeah, where she thought yeah. we should purchase. Once you get your results or, or places you have tested, 
Are they on your website somewhere where people can read about it, can see it? If we file a case and there are findings of discrimination um, and we win a case based on our results and we get a con- what we call a conciliation, a settlement, mm-hmm. we post those findings on our, pe- on our website. Um, you can click on DMFHC News. That tab will pull down what we've kind of been doing in the community. Any recent conciliations we've, we've either won or been a part of um, because we are part of uh, local and national conciliations, um, it'll be there. So that's the that's the key word when you look there. So you're looking for conciliations. To, yes. To to uh, to determine whether or not you need to shop there or not. You also mentioned uh, discrimination in insurance. Yes. Yes. So, for example, um, if I am looking for homeowners insurance yeah. to cover a similar home with you know three bedroom, sixteen hundred square feet in Northeast Denver. And I'm also looking for homeowners insurance to cover 1,600 square feet in Littleton, Colorado. We want to call the insurance providers and make sure that they are not asking discriminatory questions to give us the proper rates, that they are not charging us significantly more because they think maybe more crime happens in Littleton than happens in Northeast Denver. And Mm -hmm. so we need a higher rate for the exact same, a very comparable home. Um, and we're talking about, for example, replacement coverage, yeah, things like that. So, and and that is a very shocking for people to hear because, in terms of like car insurance, yeah, they ask you for your zip code because they're looking for the risk, right? Right. If it's if you're in metro, if you're in the metro area, it's much more expensive than if you have a garage parked vehicle in Elizabeth, Colorado, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but they cannot do that in homeowners insurance. They can't do that in homeowners insurance. Zip code, now that makes no difference. No. So they have to give you the same rates for a comparable home someplace else in the same area. That's right. There cannot be – I'm not sure the percentage um, difference, but there cannot be a huge difference in the coverage cost of very comparable similar home in two different zip codes. You know, some people – a lot of people move to Denver. They're going to be looking at the same rates they get back in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Now, there may be a difference there. Yes, but we're talking about within – a comparable home in your state and in, in, in the state you're in. Yes. Okay. All right. I, I got. I got to give so the that, landlord some yeah, some yeah. some flex there because you know people do move and shift states and absolutely stuff and, and 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 so that happens there. This stuff just doesn't go away. No. And, and and if you have to give an, give advice to a landlord regarding why they need to comply, what would it be? Uh, I would tell the landlord that. Fair housing is the law. It's not a right. It's not a privilege. We all deserve fair housing, including the landlord. The landlord is somebody's tenant. Even if he only pays property taxes every year, if someone discriminated against that landlord and when he wanted to go pay his property taxes and they would not accept his payment because he was the wrong color, that is housing discrimination. Yeah. Um, so I do hear people say, especially when I'm giving housing provider training, which is landlord or owner training or mm-hmm. developer, real estate developer training, I do uh, get those things where people are kind of not paying attention because they feel like I'm just talking on the tenant resident side. Yeah. And then I bring it back to them and say, no, this is if you and I walked into the same uh, new build and you were given all of these all of these resources to purchase this home and I was given none and we're both equally qualified. Or they don't know if we're both equally qualified because I wasn't given the chance at all. Mm-hmm. That affects you. As a developer, as a real estate broker, as an owner, if people are not buying your properties because you've kind of been red flagged by the community, that's going to affect your income. Oh, yeah. That affects you. It will. And the rumors will. do spread. If you are a fair housing, a ongoing fair housing violator, the word is going to get around. 
And if we get a conciliation, we're absolutely going to post it. Yeah. What about those people who are there, some who want to uh, uh, build on, build extensions to their homes or rent another <clears throat> uh, room in their homes among seniors? And the idea was that, well, you know, a lady's husband dies and they mm-hmm. got, she has the extra room. Why sell the house? Yeah. They got other seniors that are looking for affordable housing. You could share in doing that. If somebody's thinking about a house sharing or something like that, it will behoove them well to either take a class or come to a fair housing center. Home sharing is a very interesting uh, subject because fair housing typically does not cover roommate situations. And so you want to be really clear that if you are home sharing, that all your paperwork is this, you know, kind of on track, that the people sharing the home are on the lease. That way, if you come to us, that we can actually address you as the tenant or as the resident mm-hmm. versus as just a person kind of living or renting a room. We That renting a room issue we have a big deal with because typically when people are renting rooms, there's no lease agreement. And if there's no lease agreement, then it's a roommate situation. Really? Mm-hmm. So lease agreement is the key. Key. It's helpful if if you feel like you your landlord or your owner is not prepared or as a landlord or owner, if you feel like you need extra um, support, I we get we actually get a lot of calls from housing providers saying, "Hey, if I do this, am I going to get in trouble?" Yeah, and we'll say, "Yeah, if you deny, for example, this person's emotional support animal, you're going to get in trouble." Um, or you know, no, that's okay. Or you know, if they ask us, "Well, I'm I'm creating a new pamphlet. I need to figure out how to word this. Will you help us?" We will absolutely help you. We're not here to just um, quote unquote bust the man. <laughs> we are here to be uh, more proactive than reactive. But you said somebody has an emotional support animal, but can't you say up front, I don't have animals? You can, but it doesn't apply to emotional support animals. So we have properties. Emotional support animals. We have properties that say, well, I I just. Versus. Pets. Versus pets versus uh, assisting dogs or something like that. So fair housing does not differentiate between emotional service or emotional support animals. For us, it's the same thing because it's serving a purpose that is the disability. So that's an accommodation for a person's disability. And they are not pets. We akin an emotional support animal or an emotional mm-hmm. service animal to a prescription. And so even if it's a property that says, well, I don't have any pets here, mm-hmm. we say if this person is presenting you with an emotional support animal and they're telling you it's for a disability, best practices says you should accept that person and their emotional support animal. Well, we have a, we have a lot of people, I'm, I'm being the devil's advocate here, uh, who just carry their little Fido around because they like Fido. Mm-hmm. And they ain't got no disability at all. But if you ask them, they'll tell you, oh, it's a service dog. Yeah. yeah. It ain't a service dog. It's a chihuahua. You yeah. can't train it. And I would invite you guys to come out to some of our trainings because, you know, another thing we hear is, well, I want to see a certificate. Well, there's no certificate for an emotional support animal or an emotional service animal. So you actually cannot ask as a, as a, as a landlord or an owner, you actually cannot request an ESA certificate because it doesn't exist. You know, there are rights and um, ways that landlords can really work with tenants that but have emotional support. a trained service dog has that. A trained service or a trained therapy dog does, mm-hmm. yes. So a landlord could say, I will accept a trained service or a trained therapy animal. Yes, but they could not say, I, I'm not going to accept an untrained service, emotional support animal or emotional service animal. So you have to just take the owner's word that it's an... You can request documentation. Yeah. The tenant does not have to give that documentation to you. Okay. But he's not in violation if he requests it, though. No. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm exploring there where the ramifications are because Colorado is a big pet state. I know. 
and and and, and I love them. We love them sincerely. They're going to call my radio station. I yes. know it, but there are a lot of pet people that take advantage of folks. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, so just just gaining clarity. Yeah, and there and there's other things I offer in my training as well. You know, your tenants are also still responsible for their emotional support animal. Um, landlords have rights to ask them to. Um, you know, take care of their emotional support animal, mm-hmm. or we will ask you if it's become a danger or detriment to the property or to the tenants, and they've got record of that to, you know, get rid of your emotional support animal or, you know, maybe find another place to live. Yeah. Is the toughest position to be in um, someone who has to move because they're going to take the apartments and turn them into condos and you got to move in a hurry and you don't have time to uh, at least try to figure out what's discrimination, what isn't, where I should go, and, and that kind of stuff. But you probably need to spend some time <clears> doing <throat> it anyway to make sure you 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 have a better chance of getting the place you, where you want to be. Yes, because once you're in crisis, you know, one thing I will say is that our center can help with many things. What we can't do is stop a developer from buying out your building and putting you out, you know. Mm-hmm. And even if we're fighting your case – if they're telling you you have to leave by a certain day and you have to be out by a certain day, what we're fighting for you for is not going to help you immediately with your housing situation. Right. Call you, contact information, website, all that stuff. All of that. So um, 720-279-4291 is um, the number you can call if you have any questions as a housing provider, a developer, an owner, um, a real estate company, a bank, or a tenant or a resident. Uh, that is our intake number, and that's 720 720- Two seven nine four two nine one, um, and we are open nine a.m. to five p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, our intake specialist is amazing. She's also bilingual. Um, if you speak a language other than English or Spanish, we also use the language line, which provides access to a hundred different dialects. So, um, if people have any other languages or clients they may be working with, they can use us. Um, our website is dmfhc.org. Again, that's dmfhc.org, and that stands for Denver Metro Fair Housing Center. And even though it says Denver Metro, we serve six counties. We serve Denver, Adams, Arapahoe, Douglas, Jeffco, and Broomfield. Um, and we are hoping to access one or two additional areas th- by the end of the year. We thank Ms. Gingy Wade, the Fair Housing Outreach Specialist for the Denver Metro Fair Housing Center, for being our guest again on this edition. Do note, the Fair Housing Center 5th Annual Gala event is Friday, June 21st at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Information is online at dmfhc.org. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch, stay on your game, and we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.